I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Monday. I hope your day and your weekend treated you well. Today we are doing a throwback episode, one that I did a long time ago that I still really stand by and I want to make sure that those who have joined the podcast recently get to hear it. And it's all about why we don't type our friends and family. I can't wait for you to listen, but first today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I have the flexibility to do what I need to do based off of my thorn. (laughs) So my thorn is that today is supposed to be my quarterly planning day, which is my favorite day of the quarter where I get to think about what's my future, where are we going, what are we doing the next three months, And for me, that's just like the greatest joy of my life. Like I look forward to it so much, but I have had a very emotionally taxing week and I'm exhausted. So I woke up today and I got dressed, took my kiddo to school. I got to the office and I was like, that energy is not here. It's not going to happen. So my day I had planned for tomorrow, which would be Saturday, is to clean out my garden and just clean off our side porch before winter and get everything kind of transition from summer to winter over there. And that's the kind of energy I have. Emotional energy, dreaming energy. It's not there, but physical energy that I can expend. So I'm going to swap my Saturday for my Friday. And I'm really proud of myself for listening to my body, acknowledging what my emotions are saying, acknowledging what I need, and trusting myself. Heck yeah. And my bud is planning day tomorrow. (laughs) Yep, that's it. All right, friends, let's dive into today's episode. So today we're going to have kind of like a little unscripted, casual, but passionate conversation about why we don't type other people. Um, you know, I've touched on this lightly. I've touched on the fact that like, I don't think of this as like ritualistic or religious, right or wrong, black or white kind of deal. Like, I don't feel like it's like, oh, we should never type anyone, especially like, you know, don't talk about what the type of that stranger might be because we're dipping our toes in a dangerous territory. Like, I don't think of it like that. I think that that's where we're getting a little bit too... We're creating some rules, like arbitrary rules to follow that don't actually talk about like why we're not typing people in the first place, because ultimately like that's a fun, silly game that won't impact anyone ever. (laughs) Like me typing some TV character does not impact the life of someone else. Now, I'm going to go into like the lengthy list of reasons why I personally try not to type the people in my life. It's hard to do. Um... But I think it's important to always put them in the driver's seat of their own understanding of who they are, even if I can say, you know, you might be this number, but go explore it, play with it. Um, I am not inclined to say, like, no, you're definitely this. Because I have been on the receiving end of that in ways that have not felt so great to me. Um, So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like and dive on in with you, okay? The first main reason that we don't try to type other people is that the Enneagram is motivation-based. Like, it's an internal experience. So while, you know, most sevens may be lives of the parties, like joy-filled parties and form of people, 
There are other sevens like me who seem very grounded and pretty chill and um, have a lot of anxiety. (laughs) So, um, you know, I am still motivated and driven by the fears and the motivations of a type seven and exhibit a significant amount of the behaviors. But people reading me may not necessarily see me as a seven. And so it's important that we recognize that it is an internal experience. That's why there's so many bad free tests out there. You guys have tried to take the free tests. I know you have. I know that they've given you 19 different answers for a nine result test. I don't know how that math works, but you know, it happens. You get all the answers, right? You get all the different answers and it doesn't make any sense and it leaves you more confused. And that's why there's only like one test that I recommend and that's Integrative 9 BT-Dub. Um, they're not like sponsoring me or anything. I just tangented my way here, but I love them. Now, they're the only test that is nine, 95% accurate. The rest of them are 50 to 80% accurate. And the reason is that it's motivation-based. It's really hard to test on your motivation because we're not always aware of our motivation, you know? And if we're not always aware of our motivation, then the likelihood of someone else being able to look at us and interpret our motivation is pretty low. There are some psychologists, they're like old philosophers that believe that you can tell more about a person than they can tell about themselves. I find that incredibly offensive. And um, a lot of those philosophers have been discredited because they come from the belief that Um, They already have all the answers to the world, and a lot of other philosophers don't vibe with that. Because in in my personal opinion, the moment we think we have the answers is the moment we've lost the answers. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, man, I told you guys this was going to be chatty. (laughs) Like, very showing my seven right now. But all that to say, Enneagram is motivation-based. We cannot interpret someone else's internal experience based off of our external representation of them, right? Because so much of what we see through the world is like what I see in another person is through my lens of how I interpret the world. It's my projection of what I see in them. So why I would be doing what they're doing. A really good example of this recently was that my husband and I were talking about someone um, who did something that was kind of hurtful to me and we were discussing why they might've done it. And I described the reasoning. And I was like, well, they just don't want to deal with the pain of life. You know, and he described his reasoning and he was as a four and was like, they just feel alone and, and, and different separated, you know? And, and the reality is we were both projecting what we would be doing in that situation, right? Like we don't know why they would do what they did. It's our projection and we're interpreting their behavior through our lens. And so it's really likely that we're typing people based off of how we perceive them through our lens. Make sense? Number two, this whole thing is about self-exploration. You know, like it is, the Enneagram is about giving them the space and time to explore themselves. It's not about being told exactly what you are by someone else and matching up with someone else's opinion of who you should be or who you are. And that leads me into the next one because I want to make this point, is that it can make it take longer for them to really find their number. Because, you know, it took me, I found seven, like the day that we took the test. I took the test. I typed as two. My husband typed as seven. I read his and I thought, hmm, that seems like me. And his response was like, well, you don't seem that easygoing, which classically sevens are not very easygoing. Like we're pretty spontaneous, but we're not necessarily go with the flow. Um, But we didn't know the Enneagram very well at that point, right? So And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Maybe that's not me. 
And so I tried all these other numbers and I kept, I had disqualified seven so early that I never really gave it full exploration. And I could have missed out on this whole process if there was someone out there saying, nope, you're a two, you're a two, you know, don't, you're definitely a two. So don't even explore the other ones. Like that's not the point. There's so much joy to be found, so much good to be found on the other side of exploring. Let them have their time and their space. And then on the flip side of that, you know, let them know for themselves, you know, if I had felt safe to explore seven in that moment, I might've stayed there. I might've hung out there and I might've shortened the process for me. Um, It can be really confusing when you have, you know, one friend telling you you're a two, another friend telling you you're a four, you know, everyone telling you that you're an eight when you feel deep down that that's not your motivation. So it's confusing for you. It's disorienting. And so let people have their time and their space. Let them explore. People will come to it when it's time for them to come to it. We can't rush their process, right? Okay, the next one is we can exhibit all behaviors. So coming back to the fact that it's motivation-based, I think it's important. One of my favorite games to play is pick a behavior and then figure out why each number would do it. Because here's the thing, we get real caught up and I do it too, right? I do it on my my feet all the time um, because there are so many commonalities between numbers, but we get real caught up on, you know, what do we do as our number? What are the behaviors? And we forget to play with why is this happening? So one of my favorite examples recently was I I did a a thing on Enneagram and Coffee about it's not letting other people drive their car. A lot of times what I'm doing with Enneagram and Coffee is I'm thinking about what are the motivations and fears of that number and then what's a behavior that could be exhibited off of that. So it's don't like to release control. And so it would make sense to me, right, that if eights don't like to release control, then maybe a lot of eights don't like to let other people drive their cars. That doesn't mean every single eight doesn't let other people drive their cars, but like it's probably pretty probable. Um, And I usually try to draw conclusions with like all of the eights that I know or all the numbers that I know and see what commonalities are there. So with that being said, if eights don't like to release control, they probably don't let other people drive their car. Now, someone commented and they're like, this seems like a one behavior. And I was like, well, we can all exhibit that behavior, right? Like, but it's why we're doing it. So if a one were to do it, it would be because a one would have a hard time not thinking that the other person driving was doing it the wrong way. They were driving wrong or incorrectly. A two might not let anyone drive their car because they feel like it's an act of service. A three may not because they put pride in their belongings. They don't want other people to you know, don't get messed up. <laughs> um, you know, as a seven, I validate my, I really value my freedom and I often prefer to drive. And if I, I prefer to drive alone, to be quite honest, because I want to always have the option to leave a situation. Um, sixes, you know, there's like worst case scenario stuff going on. Fives, they're managing their energy levels. So they get to be in control of the environment. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why someone might exhibit the same behavior. So we cannot go off of behavior. We really have to go with why that behavior is happening in the first place. The next one is counter types. So here's the deal, you guys. Like our counter type can show up in completely different behavior, completely shocking ways. So if you are a counter type of your number, it might have taken you a lot longer to figure out your type because you could have seen yourself potentially in multiples. And what that means is that 
you know, go back and listen to the subtype episode if you are a little bit shaky on what a countertype is. But basically, it's the subtype of the number that doesn't behaviorally look like that number typically, if that makes sense. So for example, you have kind of a complicated relationship to the major vice or or desire or behavior pattern of that particular number. So um, a counter six maybe has that anxiety, but runs toward that anxiety. A counter seven has um, that desire to get all of their needs met, but feels guilty for that. And so kind of rejects that. The counter type two is the least helpful of the twos. Um, The counter type three, they like kind of downplay their achievements. They want to be validated for their achievements, but they also feel guilty showing off. So all of that to say, that's confusing. So yeah, you can be a three and not be boastful. You can be a seven and not be constantly putting yourself first. Um, You can be a six and not be constantly anxious, right? Like there's nuance to all of this and counter types are one of those nuances. Next, and this to me is the most serious, so I'm going to like try to talk seriously for you. No, I'm not. I'm going to talk normal. But anyway, (laughs) y'all are going to be like, please script every other podcast episode that you do for us because this is out of control. No, but it's so serious to me because this happens to me a lot and it is a very big pet peeve. Um, And it is, and it's ultimately, it's invalidating their experience. You're saying to the person, I know you better than you know yourself. In most cases, the best case scenario, the average of us, right? This is going to create rifts in your relationship with that person. If you're telling them that you see them more clearly than they see themselves, that can create confusion for them and who they are. You're telling them that they should trust your view of them over their understanding of who they are in their lives. Now, what this has looked like for me is I've had people very confidently DM me on Instagram and say, you may not accept this. (laughs) I'm like laughing, but you may not accept this, but you're a nine. And I know because you crinkle your nose. And y'all, that is nonsense. Just so you know, if someone says something to you like that, that is nonsense. (laughs) You cannot type someone based off of their nose behavior. The Enneagram is internal, so you cannot look at a stranger on the internet who's giving you a very slim sliver of openness into their lives and into who they are as a person and interpret what's really happening on the back end of that, right? You're not, you can't interpret why they're doing the things that they're doing. I've also had people very insistent who have met me in seconds of meeting me who have insisted that I am a two, moments into meeting me, um, insisting that I have, I am a two. And, and that's because they don't see the inner workings of what's happening with me. You know, they don't see the quick detachment from connection that I experience. They've never been hurt by my desire to bail on a situation with them because I had something else that I wanted to do. And in best case scenario, they're preventing me from doing my real work. You know, if I were doing two work, if I were out here like, oh, I'm so self, I just keep putting other people before myself. And I am overburdened with taking care of others. That would be playing so deep into my type pattern and preventing me from actually doing the work that's harming the people in my life who are not feeling loved by me because I'm not motivated by two behaviors or two motivators, two fears. I don't need you to like me or love me. 
And because of that, I make a lot of choices <laughs> that don't serve other people. And I have to sit with that. And that sucks. But that's not two work, right? It's seven work. And the more people insist on me being a two, strangers, and these are Enneagram experts or in hash, you know, finger quotations, people who've studied the Enneagram for a while, who chose to choose my behavior over my motivations, who chose to see that I'm warm and interpret that as helpful, um, interpret that as needing their approval. Okay. Um, so I say that because right. The best case scenario of that is that they're just missing you and they're confusing you and it causes a rift in that relationship. But in the worst case scenario, invalidating someone's experience is one of the easiest, quickest forms of manipulation, accidental or intentional. This can lead to manipulative, abusive, and cult-like dynamics. When you're telling someone else that you know them better than they know themselves, you're skewing their view of reality and putting yourself in the deciding seat for how they get to experience who they are. Can you see how messed up that can be? And finally, on a lighter, happier note, as I like to do, don't rob them of their journey, right? Like this is their journey. Let them take it. Let it take the time it takes. You know, the truth is that we don't make changes in our life until we're ready to. That's the deal. Like we don't, we don't make big behavior shifts until we get ready to make them. It doesn't, it might happen shorter for some, it might happen longer for others, but it's, it's a process. It's going to be the process that it is for them. We can't force feed them self-growth. It's their process. And the truth is that it's theirs. It's, it's theirs to decide what it is. You know, it's, it's a slow, it's kind of like a light desire to control other people's experiences and their journeys by trying to get them to quickly realize that who we think they are. So I say all of this to say, let's just not, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, instead, if you want to have, you know, because I hear you, I can like hear so many people out there listening. I mean like, but, but, but I know, I know they're a five. I know they are. Why won't they just read it? They haven't even read it yet. And they're, and, but I know it, you know, I get it. I've been there. I hear you. I am you. And what I will encourage you to do is to say, ask them really good questions. Talk to them outside of the Enneagram. You know, say, do you like to manage your energy levels? Do you feel like you have to manage your energy levels? And then meet that with curiosity. Y'all, that conversation is so much more meaningful, so much more connective than, oh, you're a five. You should read about it. Right? And I love that you guys send my memes to each other. Y'all know I love that. But you can talk about that outside of the Enneagram. You can say, I know you might not be a five, but like, doesn't this seem like something you might do? They don't have to know their type for us to do this, right? And you can talk about, you know, talk about it with them. Open the doors to having these conversations from like an intimate, interested, curious way. Like how much more powerful and meaningful is that? That's what I want, right? I want someone to meet me and engage with me and be like, wow, like, what are you afraid of? What keeps you going every day? Why do you have, you know, eight different income streams? Like, what's that? What's going on there, girl? You know, let's talk about it. Um, those kind of things. Like, I, like, those are the conversations that matter. Those are the conversations that are going to bring your relationship to a more intimate, connected place. Versus isolating them from you, confusing them about who they are, 
and ultimately making you feel frustrated that they're not doing what you want them to do, and then them feel frustrated that you refuse to see them as they see themselves, right? So that's why we don't type people. It's not because of some like weird arbitrary law out in the universe that's like, typing people is a sin, because <laughs> it's just not. It's just a thing, right? It's just a thing that happens, but it's why we don't do it that matters. It's why we don't do it that we need to think about. So next time you re- watch a TV show and you want to play the game of typing them, don't feel guilty, you're allowed to play. <laughs> but, you know, next time that you meet a cousin or, or your husband and you want to tell them what you know about them, ask them questions instead. Get to know them better. Um, and let me know if you guys would like some guiding questions. I think that'd be a really fun thing I could put together for us is like questions to ask someone who you think might be a blank to get to know them better or something like that. I'll have to figure out how to phrase it in a way that does more good than harm. So let me know if that's something that interests you if you want to create those dynamics with people. And if not, that's fine as well. Um, Please, in the meantime, let me know if you have any podcast requests. I'd love to take them. And, um, you know, leave a little five-star review if you're interested. Um, On the podcast, it means a lot to podcasters, those reviews. So if you have the time and interest, and if you liked this episode, I would love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining me, and I will see you in the next episode.